Well, hi, and welcome to the Christian Contrast Podcast, where we talk about how following Jesus leads us to live differently from the world around us. I'm here with our lead pastor, Gary <laughs> Keith, and we are excited. We're going to continue in this series of follow-ups that we're doing to the Stronghold series and yeah. going back to something we talked about a few weeks ago, which is family. Um, it's almost Christmas as we're recording this, 10 days from Christmas. And so the focus on family is even more during this time because yeah. we all know Christmas is about family. That's right. Or so we hear. <laughs> um, so what, what we're going to be talking about is we have this odd thing as Christians where we value family deeply for many reasons, and yet we resist the cultural adage that family comes first. So we're going to be exploring in this podcast episode how we value family properly without making it into an idol. And so I, I thought I'd start, and we, we can both kind of weigh in on this. Okay. What would be some signs that family has become an idol? Well, I did my homework, did a little thinking about this ahead of time. And before I get too much into this family, let me just give a disclaimer here. Uh, I, I don't know what kind of personal things I'll share about my family and about my journey. You know, I, I have two boys and three girls and nine grandkids, and they're all adults. And so I'm kind of past a lot of it, but it was a good time to reflect down on some things that I had done or I wish I had done in this regard. And so uh, just give you that, I'm sure that I was not the perfect parent, and I'm sure I could do better if I was given the opportunity now. So with that little disclaimer, uh, whatever I share is in that context. How's For that? Sure. How's That's that? That's good. Well, obviously, you know, when we talk about idols, I think you've said it very well in different times, in different times when you've talked about idols. Idols is something we put in front of God. And so we can put our family in front of God. And um, there are some real signs that uh, you brought out actually in the in the series that you talked about when you talked about if sports is more important than church or if uh, get movies is more important than prayer and scripture. Those I think those are really good key points to remember. Uh, how do we gauge uh, the importance of setting an example? How, how important is church to us, and what the value of it? Now you and I know. Going to church doesn't make us a Christian, but we need believers. We need interaction. We are, we are to engage with spiritual preaching and teaching and serving. And how do you do that if, you're, if your time is all taken up with things that are not related? So I think things that get in the way of that, and it could be a variety of things, laziness, going out to the desert and four-wheeling. I mean, it could be those types of things that even you do as a family. But does it take you away? Um, and are your kids from spiritual learning? And does do your children see that hmm. because you've made that more important for your own life? And then how does that affect your own Christian life as a parent? So I see there's a lots of things we could talk about. Um, you know, uh, we, it is it is one thing now that we're back a little bit from the COVID time, because the COVID time kind of slowed us all down as families. But I know you and I have talked about this. I think you've talked about it in other contexts where how busy do we make our lives apart mm -hmm. from church activities that doesn't leave energy, room, time to be involved in any kind of spiritual activity of making God important? Because God's got to be important in our lives Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, not just church. Um, and then... Uh, you know, I remember, no, I'll talk about that in a minute, but 
I, I think a sign is, and I wrote this down because I, I've seen this unfold. Um, when you're absent from a family activity, let's say, a, a greater family activity, maybe there's in-laws, maybe there's other setups with your kids and all that stuff, your, your grandkids. When you are absent and that is seen, and you, maybe you're absent for a good spiritual reason, and you're seen as, it's seen as an insult to the family. Maybe you miss a soccer game. Maybe you miss a, a skip a birthday party because there's some other event. Maybe uh, you, don't, you, you miss a holiday event or you're, you, you can't go to a holiday event because you're with another part of a different part of family. And you're seeing like you're breaking some kind mm -hmm. of bond that says, I got to be there no matter what happens. I remember uh, just the challenges that Miriam and I had as we made Christmas Eve an important part for our family to go to. When we did the Christmas Eve service, and I was part of it, of course, during a lot of it, but there were times when my kids were little and they would get in their onesies and they would lay on the floor, a hardwood floor at the time, there wasn't carpeting in, in the garage now. You know what, that was important. I didn't realize how important it was, Dan, about this idea of doing other things and making this other party atmosphere or opening presidents, or pres presidents, opening <laughs> presents on Christmas Eve. Um, Connect related to being a part of a spiritual remembrance of Christ yeah. and his birth. My kids look back on that and they laugh about it. They say these were important times. And I saw, boy, if I had not done that, as awkward and tough as it was, getting your kid, keeping your kids up and awake and all that, it was an important thing. I could have made Christmas Eve if I succumbed to a lot of the demands of both sides of our family when I was growing up, just newly married. I'd make that an idol. I, mean, I could have made family an idol. So I think family gatherings are a big thing. Um, yeah. Well, when I think just, just to pick up on something you said, because I think it was really significant when you were talking about um, that there might be a family event or a family gathering and you would be looked down upon yeah. for missing it, even if it was for a really significant reason, um, that, that, that relates to something that I was reflecting on with this because you know, we, we know following Jesus is not going to threaten our family in the sense that it's not going to make us worse dads, worse husbands, worse, you know, mm -hmm. that's not going to be the case, but it will threaten us getting our family's approval. It will threaten us getting the approval of the world from the way that we're handling our family. Those things will be threatened in the same way that following Jesus is not going to make you a worse friend, but it may threaten the harmony of the friendship because you're going to be willing to say things to your friend that you wouldn't, they wouldn't say if, if your entire goal was just to please them. And I was thinking, I've, I've read a, a number of books from John Piper, who yeah. I, I respect and yeah. really appreciate. And he's talked multiple times about how when he was growing up, his dad was gone a lot because he was a traveling evangelist and was frequently out preaching the gospel. So probably didn't fit into a lot of the mold of what we think of today of like, be it all the sporting events, things that are good. You know, I, I help coach my son's teams, you know, I'm, all that kind of stuff. Um, and what John Piper said is that instead of resenting the fact that his dad was always gone, he knew how much his dad loved him because of the way his dad conducted himself. And so that told him just how important the gospel must be because he knew his dad was missing out on time he could have had with his family, who he loved, because the gospel was just that important. And I think that's reflected in the example you were given there about Christmas Eve to say, yeah. your kids understand how much you love them, 
and yet they see we're being made uncomfortable or something for this, that tells us just how significant this is. And so I think when we're talking about this, the important thing is to say, um, if, if your ultimate goal is to get the approval of your kids, you can't follow Jesus and seek the approval of your kids. That won't work. Yeah. If your ultimate goal is to get all of your friends around you to think that you're doing family in the best possible way, it's going to be hard to follow Jesus and seek that. Yeah. And so part of it is us saying following Jesus is going to benefit our families if we're understanding family in the right way. So if we're going to frame it that way, let's talk a little bit about what should be <laughs> some priorities for families as we're looking to follow Jesus, because we know we're not called away from our families. We're called, husbands are called to love their wives. Wives are called to respect their husbands. We're called to raise up our kids in the fear and instruction of the Lord. So what are some priorities that we should think of as we're thinking about how Jesus leads us with families? I made a whole long list. All right. A whole long list. Just this reflecting is... on, on things that are important. And some are going to be, yeah, I know this. Yeah, I know this. Or, But it's not just knowing it. It's actually living it. Hmm. So um, what's important? Um, helping our children become a growing follower of Jesus. But where does that begin? Us being a growing follower of Jesus, being an example. And uh, I'm big on trying to be a good example. And I think that our kids follow what we, uh, how we live sometimes uh, more closely than what we say. You know, there's that old adage, uh, don't do as I do, do as I say. And I think in this, in this spiritual training that parents, that's a priority. And, um, and that would be one. Uh, I think loving your spouse. Uh, in the area of family, when I talk about spouse, I'm talking about in my role, I'd be loving my wife. I think when our, when our children see that we're living out biblical mandates with regard to uh, how we relate as husband and wife, that helps them follow Jesus. That helps them understand what being a Christian is all about. Uh, I think, you know, some of these things we just got to do, provide for basic needs, mm -hmm. food, clothing, shelter. I mean, that's a, that's a priority. Um, teaching morals and values. One of the, uh, uh, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but an application of that for me was, I wrestled, Mary and I both wrestled for a long time with how to do, how to get our kids training and to wrestled with morals and values and how to, how to bring that to the plate uh, when I had 11 year span between the oldest and the youngest. Well, something that the oldest wanted to talk about, maybe the youngest didn't quite grasp and how do you present that? So we got into this habit of having dinner together every evening before our kids got in the mid, mid to late teens and they started having jobs and all that other stuff. But there was a great season of time, Dan, where I loved just interacting with people. And so I loved interacting with my kids and just asking them questions like, how'd the day go? Fine. Why was it fine? And then when they would share things, then if I'm a spiritually equipped father, which I think is a priority, then I either know how to or I need to learn how to bring the scriptures to bear in a common conversation with my children and say, this is how you were treated, or this is how you treated someone else, or this is, here's what Jesus says about that. I think that's a huge priority. Um, I would, I would, no, that's a trap. I'll, I'll bring that back later. But. We'll go back. But, but yeah, I mean, like what you, and, and I know we, we eventually, we want to talk about practices that we've each seen work, you know, in, yeah. in our families as you're looking back, as I'm looking back, but still very much with the kids, you know, as as part of our home. But it is significant to think of that, to say when we're starting, there's a lot of, there's a lot of 
burdens that we can feel put upon us as parents from the world. And when we look at scripture, it is related to the, you know, as you said, there are those things of, hey, we're, we're providing for the basic needs of our kids as best that we can. We're teaching them, you know, we're in, in the words of Ephesians 4, where we're bringing them up in the fear and the instruction of the Lord. Um, I was reflecting also of Proverbs, Proverbs 1, 8 and 9. It, Proverbs is a father talking to his son, and he talks to his son about, listen to my wisdom and listen to your mother's instruction. And so part of that is embedded in that is that we're teaching scripture and we're teaching wisdom. And wisdom is, some people have said, applied knowledge. So it's teaching the commands of scripture, the realities, the facts about God and about us, but it's also teaching the wise way to approach finances and relationships and sex and money and yeah. all those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, you know, you talked about the dinner time thing, dinner table thing, which I know is can be a battlefront with different <laughs> families, but I, yeah. I would just echo to say, you know, we, we've got, you know, I've got a couple of teenagers now and we're still able, thank God, on a real regular basis to have that dinner time that is so, I feel like dinner time and bedtime mm-hmm. have been mm-hmm. two huge times of meaningful conversations, and you know, we're we're going through the the Advent devotional now at dinner time, the the Matt and Lauren Chandler one. Um, but what we were doing before that is we would just rotate. Um, me, Karina, or one of the two older boys would read something from the Bible reading plan that day, give a couple thoughts on it, and then we just see where the discussion went. Sometimes it would last a long time. Sometimes <laughs> it would last a short time. But it was a way for us to gather around Scripture and also to do what you were talking about. For me and Karina to model, this is important to us. Yeah. Um, and for us not just to say, yeah, you should be obeying your parents and doing what's right and not smoking. And eat, but for them to see Jesus is primary in our lives. And we can't make Jesus be primary in their lives, but we can set them up to see the benefits of Jesus being primary. And we can set them a model of what it looks like to try to live that way. Yeah. Obviously, a priority is getting scripture into our children, but that presumes we have it in us. That's true. And so I think that's why this example starts with us as parents, a top priority is that we're living the life, because uh, I agree with you when you have said in in that message that if church is not a high priority for you, it probably won't be for your children. Yeah. And that's very real. And so I think another priority is to be real with our Mm. children about how we are doing spiritually. So I think a priority is when we sin against our children, we're not the bigger person and we can just roll over and forget. We need to be, they're worthy of our respect, they're worthy of our seeking forgiveness when we when we are, are messing up in front of them. And I think showing the real journey of who mm-hmm. Jesus is in our life, both the, the encouraging things but the real challenges and how we're addressing those challenges is a priority. So I think it all relates to how we as parents are living the life and incorporating things like prayer and incorporating things like scripture and incorporating things like conversation along with those morals of teaching, morals and values come with that, don't they? Absolutely. And then I always wanted to be involved. My kids all went to public school. It's a different season of time than where we're at today. I, I recognize that. But it was no less dangerous because there were lots of things. There were just different issues that our kids had to face than what they face today. I wanted to be involved. I wanted to know what my kids were going through and what kind of education. So I think that's a priority, too. Yeah. But if we're wrapped up in doing a lot of other things, um, uh, we, we can make education even a priority. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a idol. Absolutely. We can let it get in the way. So there's always this going back to 
How are we walking with Jesus? How are we interacting with culture and and helping our kids do that well? Yeah, and and the interesting thing about this is I think for for at least the vast majority, if not for all Christians who are parents who are listening to this, they'd all probably hear what we just said and say, yes, we agree, yeah. <laughs> those should be the priorities, mm-hmm. but many of them are also probably looking at their lives and saying, ah, it, that's not the way it's working out right now. Yeah. Um, and it's not that there's necessarily horrific sin or chaos, sometimes there is, but but that it's just like, that's just kind of not what's happening. And, and you alluded to it earlier, it's because there's different traps that we fall into that keep mm-hmm. us from getting where we wanna be. And yeah. we've probably already alluded to a few of them, but let's talk for a while. What are some traps that families and in particular parents are falling into these days that are keeping us from what we wanna do in bringing up our kids with Jesus being supreme? Some of these are just basic parenting type of things I I may bring up. So you can help me guide this a little bit. But one is giving our children or teens everything they want when they want it um, without requiring really anything from them. Uh, I was of the camp where uh, we were measured in helping see that what we had was not just for us, but was for other people as well. And so I think that could be a trap because we don't want to really say no to our kids. But I think learning how to say no at the appropriate times is, is an important thing. And so a trap can be, I'll just do whatever, you know. You won't say that in so many words, but you may live that. 100%. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, I've got, you know, one of my daughters was, in, uh, was a junior class president at Upland High. And she had a good friend who uh, came from a wealthy family. And this girl drove a brand new Mustang at the time, and within two weeks she'd crashed it and burned it. And had you know, where her dad goes out and let's put that in the junkyard. I'll buy you another one. And there were challenges for me as a parent to to want to see my kids experience that versus no, this is how we live as a yeah. follower of Christ. And so you can see the bigger picture there. Absolutely. And then their contribution in helping to make that happen. You ask my kids today, they help pay for their college, they help pay for their cars, and it has given them a good perspective on money, which I think teaching our kids how to hmm. deal with money. So a trap is just giving every, everything away. For sure. Um, um, this is a parenting thing. Not setting our kids free to take on the responsibility that is appropriate for their age. I read a book by Chuck Swindoll years ago. It was, uh, you and your child. And he challenged me when I read that book, just as a Christian parent, to, to allow my children to accept the responsibility for their age. Hmm. When they know how to dress themselves, let them dress themselves. When they know how to cross the street, let them cross the street. Don't let, you know, just don't let them go. But when we got to the point where my kids were driving, because I practiced this to some degree, it was a little bit easier. Not always easy, because my Kids kind of help the insurance situation, you know, that says teenage drivers get in accidents. <laughs> but it was something that I think is a biblical principle. And then we just we don't uh, we don't just do that. We explain why we do that, and how that fits into our faith, and what's good for them. Yeah. Well, and one of the reasons, just on that, where I think what you were just saying is a trap that many of us fall into that that we don't give our kids that responsibility is because often it's easier just to do stuff ourselves. Yeah. 
you know, the kid's there trying to tie a shoe and you're just like, let me do it. Ah, this is taking forever. I'll just do it. Yeah. But, but you're right. While, while all of us as, as parents have done that at different times, there's a cumulative cost to that, which is our kids not becoming capable in those areas, becoming overly dependent. And then, like you said, it, it's not as if we're suddenly going to just flip a switch and they're going to reach a certain age where they're going to be responsible. If we've consistently trained them, mom and dad will just do it for you. Yeah. Here's one that's more on the point, I think. Uh, thinking that all the extracurricular activities your child is committed to is more important than spiritual training. Um, I didn't have kids who were in lots of sports, but I had kids who were in band and choir. And, well, I had one that was in swimming. I don't care what level. When you're in junior high or high school, specifically high school, you get one item. It mm-hmm. can take over your life. And if I, for one moment, thought my son who was playing trumpet was going to be the next, you know, Doc Severinsen, <laughs> this next, Jim, what's his first name? Bodie, Bodie, Chris Bodie. I would fool in myself. This was something. And so it's how we think about these things. Like you said, Dan, earlier, they are valuable and they're important. But what value and what importance do we put on it over other things? We think we're setting our kids up for success when in reality, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Well, in that event, I, I know a couple of years ago, we, we went to a conference where Larry Osborne talked about it, it, the way he, I remember him putting it was sort of the myth of living up to your potential. Yeah. And what he said is nobody lives up to their potential. We all make choices and that limits our potential for the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that relates to what you're saying. What, what I see in a lot of parents kind of my age and, and even for younger with younger kids, there is this sense of like, I got to get them into sports because who knows? Who knows? You know, they might be the next, you know, Michael Jordan. And I, I got to get them into music because they might be the next. You said some names. I don't know. But, but you know, the next great musician. I need <laughs> Those to are get all them. trumpet players. I'm, I'm sure they are. <laughs> I, I'll take your word for it. But, but there is this sense of saying, well, I've got to make sure my kid lives up to your potential. Your kid is not going to live up to their potential. Yeah. They're going to make different choices that will end up putting them on different tracks and you want to guide them. But this, this burdensome sense of parents of like, well, I'm not being a good parent if I don't give my kids all of these opportunities. Uh, I 100% agree. I think it's a trap. And I think it is based on uh, a miss, at least partially, uh, a bad view of what it means for our kids to live up to their potential. The idea that those things would be outweighing making sure that we're having an ordered lifestyle mm-hmm. and we're putting Jesus at the center is is totally out of order. Well, it, it I, I say it this way: it overvalues that and undervalues right. the significance of being involved in a church. Um, during some of my kids' lives, um, when they were younger, that was weird to say. Some of my kids' lives, <laughs> when my kids were younger, there was a season of time where this church became a huge family for us, because. Um, I experienced the death of my mom, and then my dad remarried, and she wasn't interested in some of those things. And Miriam's parents and family came from a Lutheran background, and we found out they invited everybody but us because we were not mm. Lutheran anymore. And so I really needed the church family. And I don't know if I overvalued the church, but I'd, I'd rather err in that regard. Yeah. And the church became a great spiritual connection point just by the sake of relationship. It's not that they had to sit in church on Sunday. It's that here we were with people who loved us, who saw us during the week and cared for us, and played. we played games. The undervaluing of church, I think, is a trap. 
oh, I, I can miss it, or I can watch it on TV, or I can, it, it's undervaluing it. To me, that's a yeah. trap. Yeah, and, and I would just, uh, I would, you know, co-sign that and just, you know, in a second, we'll, in fact, we'll just transition now to talking about sort of practices that we've seen be fruitful in our families that, that may be helpful to others. Um, but, you know, one of them for me that, that I wrote down is um, not only regular participation in church, but it's a priority for me with my kids that they not only, you know, David, who's nine, loves life kids. You know, he's in fourth grade. Matt and Jack are teenagers. They love the youth group, and I'm super thankful for those. Um, but for me, it's a priority for them also to have an experience of the church as a whole and not just sort of their age-appropriate area mm-hmm. of that. Um, that's been a priority. That's something that I've seen fruit in. And just even, I, I know, you know, right now there might be church members listening to this mm-hmm. um, and trying to wrestle through this because we're doing some things differently right now in the life of our church than in the past, where we don't have a Sunday morning um, youth service or youth Sunday mm-hmm. school class right now. Yeah. Um, and part of that is because we say we really want the students in the services. We want them to experience the life of the church and for the church body together in that way. We have many parents bringing in younger kids also that they'll do life kids, but they'll also be in the services. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it for me is I just say, man, I want my kids to be involved in church their whole lives. I want them to follow Jesus. I want them to love the church. And for me, the idea that at some point at 18, my kids are just going to know how to experience church that is not geared specifically to their age range isn't realistic. And so I just give an encouragement to parents. If right now you're looking at this and you're saying, ah, I don't know about trying to make my kids sit through a service. First of all, I'm not offended by the idea that I am not the greatest speaker or most on point speaker for teenagers. <laughs> I get that. I, I really do have teenagers in mind when I'm preaching and I'm wanting to connect. And I, I love the teenagers being in there, but I'm not offended if they say, ah, you know, hey, when Jeff teaches, it's much more on point. And when Dan teaches, it's much broader. That's fine. I would just say to parents, right now is a unique opportunity for you to help your kids learn how to participate in a wider body of Christ when things are not all geared towards them. And if they don't learn now, um, you probably shouldn't assume that that's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so for our I love my kids being involved in their age-appropriate things. I love that we get to sit together, we get to take communion together, that my kids are learning how to listen to sermons and participate in, in music that's geared for all ages. So um, just to say, I not only involvement <laughs> in the church, but for me, kids involved beyond just their age-appropriate activities is a big priority for me. And I'll just take the other side of that for a minute by saying one of the things that I really thought was fruitful was having my children have friends who were church kids. Absolutely. And I didn't have the expectation that it would all be roses and wonderful time. You know, my kids learned some bad habits from some of these friends. But we would, do, we would have friendships with couples and with their friends that root that went outside the church, you know, because you Scripture teaches us about the kind of company we keep for sure, and its impact on us. And so, it's way better company, wherever they're at in their spiritual journey, to have a common experience in a church setting, whether it's in a large group or whether it's in their age group, and then take that relationship and have it meet some needs throughout the week. I remember. When I, when I was growing up that I went to church in Ontario and then when I started up until my junior high year, I was at, at school in Pomona. We lived in, that was a mile, miles apart. 
I had two different sets of friends. Mm. We moved when I was in junior high. All of a sudden, I had one network of friends, and that brought stability, that brought consistency, that brought another voice into my life as a teenager that was not necessarily a youth pastor, but was my friends. In fact, my best friend, we still stay in touch. He lives in Crestline. He's a great guy. He's retired. Actually, he's in Arizona now. But he became an important part of my life, especially when my mom was killed, that I had a relationship built with someone else, Her, his mother his father and him. Hmm. I don't know if that would have happened if we hadn't had if I hadn't had time sitting in church with them. But it was also important for my kids to have the friendships. And so I think that's a, a fruitful part Absolutely. of being involved in a church in that. And and I already shared this other habit we did with the with the meal. That was just an attempt to we tried different devotional type things and it just didn't work. And and I'm just gonna say that fruitful things, however you as parents can involve your children in the scriptures, yeah. reading, being practical about it, um, and being an example yourself, knowing that you spend time, that is a fruitful expression that I want to have as part of my life today still, and even with my grandkids. Now i got grandkids, and, mm-hmm. and even at, I have one that's now almost out of her teens, and we have some great conversations. And she doesn't want to talk about the latest movie with mm-hmm. me, she wants to talk about her life and scripture and how that how currently the college group is meeting some current needs in her life. And I just go, this is exciting. Yeah. That wouldn't happen if there was not that's the fruitfulness of it. Absolutely. So so yeah. there's that. So I would say I'm gonna repeat myself a bit, just say knowing the Bible, living the life you want your kids to live, um, and to stay connected with them about what's going on in their life. Really get to know them. Yeah. And I think being fruitful also, and I think you do this. Understanding how God has made our children, because they're all different, different personalities, Absolutely. different gifts. And, and, and I was always just trying to say, how do I know this child? Is this child a, a, a is that going to turn out to be a draftsman? Cause, you know, or is it going to be a, a counselor? I mean, what are the gifts that God has given in the personality? Yeah. So knowing our kids is For another sure. fruitful thing. Yeah, and, and I think even as we think about this, you know, and as we encourage families to think about this, to say, have, you know, you gotta have you gotta have everything on the table. You gotta say, um, let's not just assume we're gonna do all these sports. Let's not assume we're gonna do all of these things. If our priority is raising our kids in the Lord, let's start with saying, what kind of grooves do we need to have for our lives? Exactly. And you know, and, and I know, I mean, Troy to me is a great example of this, Pastor Troy, where he yeah. has he has a rotation of taking his kids <laughs> out for an evening, you know, like what once a week, <laughs> rotating through them, and I. You know, I've done similar things at different times with my boys to know them, like uh-huh. you said. Um, we, we do prayer walks and thankfulness walks. We've done different things. But, but I do want to just plug, you know, what you were saying, dinner table, opening up the Bible at the dinner table has probably been, at least at this point, the single greatest connecting point. And I just want to give an encouragement, because I know there's people listening right now that are like, sure, you guys are pastors. <laughs> we're not. Um, all right, that's fine. I have a couple things to say about this. Um, the first is this. Um, dads, it's important that you're doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Like all, we, we both have, we each have been blessed with a great wife who's mm-hmm. been a great mom to our kids. I love my wife. I'm so thankful to her. Um, it would not have the same impact if my wife was just always the one leading the Bible time and I was sitting there quietly. Um, so, some women listening to this, you might say, that's the only option I've got. God bless you for persevering through yeah. that. But men, there is a unique calling for us as men to step forward in this. 
And here's what I'd say. Um, if, if you're willing to do nothing else, read a chapter of the Bible from the Bible reading plan at dinner time, and then simply ask the question, tell your kids you're gonna ask them in advance, then just ask the question, what part of that most stood out to you? See where it goes. You don't need a seminary degree, just let God's word be out there. Don't let the fact that you can't do it perfectly keep you from doing something that will be really good and fruitful yeah. in your kid's life. So do something badly rather than not doing something at all. Do something in the in the thought that you're gonna learn how to do it better rather than just staying on the sidelines and hoping that your kids somehow catch spiritual growth through osmosis. Mm -hmm. um, you have the unique opportunity and as, as one of my favorite authors, G.K. Chesterton used to say, if a thing is worth doing, it's worth doing badly. Just, <laughs> just start doing it and God will work through your efforts that you feel like aren't very good, yeah. but that are pointed in the right direction. Yeah. Thank you for sharing about Troy 101. I did that up even when my kid daughters got married. We get together. Hmm. It wasn't every week, but those times were always valuable. So I would just concur the yeah. value and the importance, no matter what the age of having one-on-one -on -one time yeah. with your kids. Well, Thank you for sharing that. We sure. And, and let me just ask you this, as, as we're bringing this to, to a close, um, you know, you're, you're, as you said, sort of like looking back, reflecting back <laughs> as you've got grandkids now, um, but looking at, looking at families that have kids in the home right now, you know, wh whether they're teenagers or whether they're little kids, um, what, just what's on your heart that you would want to say as a message to families and in particular to parents who are at the stage where they're in the trenches parenting their kids? Yep. Uh, more than one sentence, okay? Um, it's okay to have your children involved in activities, extracurricular activities, but don't let that get in the way of their godly spiritual training and their involvement with a body of believers, a local church. That'd be one thing. Um, second, be an example. Be a personal example as a couple or if you're a single mom or single dad, be an example. Talk about Jesus. Don't talk about the movies that you just saw, unless there's a spiritual component here. Be an example. And be honest with your children when you mess up. Hmm. They know you messed up. They were there. They saw it. And I'll <laughs> say, uh, there's this fame, well, very easy verse. Give grace to the, God gives grace to the humble and he poses the proud. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid of humility. It will go a long way in helping your kids see Jesus. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Gary. Those are great. And I, you know, as always, there's lots more to talk about. And this is a priority for us as a church to try to help families put Jesus in the center and live out that weird reality where family <laughs> doesn't come first. Jesus comes first, yeah. but Jesus leads us in a unique way to approach the beautiful calling of family life. Exactly. And yeah. um, so thank you so much for those of you who took the time to listen to this and watch this. We always love comments and feedback, questions, pushback, even if you disagree or, or wanna ask about something. We love that every time we put out these podcast episodes. You can find them on YouTube and you can find them on our website or through the app. Um, you can check out other great episodes that we've done. And so thanks so much, Gary, for participating in this. Um, thanks to those of you who listened and we'll see you next time on The Christian Contrast.